Good morning. Y'all look good today. I'm so excited to be here. The, the just numbers are just exciting. And I know in Sunday school, I thought we might have to get a bigger class. So that's a great thing. I am so happy to be with y'all and to worship. And the, the spring is exciting. And all the events that we have are just wonderful. So let's go to Jesus and pray first. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for who you are, creator, master of the universe, forgiver. We just come before you and we give you this moment and we, we praise you for it. I thank you for the noises of the children and the conversations between each of us and the smiles and the, the conversations that bring us together. I ask that you give us a calm and a peace as we enter into worship. A holy time, God, where we've come here to this place to set aside this time to bring honor to you, to worship you, and to be together in this family for you. I thank you for the chance that we are here, that I am here and the things that you're doing in each of our families outside of this church, Lord. I ask that you bless them and their families spiritually, grow them in your word, so that we can grow together as a church family. In your name we pray. Amen. A couple of announcements. Um, we need 250, 250 pre-wrapped cookies or brownies. Sandy has a list out in the hall, a sign-up sheet, and this is for Easter and Earl. We're expecting big numbers, so if you could sign up to help her. And there are also a lot of other ways that we could use you for Easter and Earl coming up. Um, tonight is the second ministry night, so there will, that will be our Sunday evening, except there still will be Act Teens, Challengers, and Kids Night in the gym. But please, if you don't have a copy of the ministry night, Grab that, and whether you're on that committee or not, if you want to be a part of that, please come and be a part of the meetings and see what's going on. That would be wonderful to, be, to get everyone involved. And please look at your bulletin. There are a lot of other announcements um, and things that we'll talk about more as we go. So please look through those and save them. Thank you.
Thank you for some delightful music this morning to get us going. Amen? Amen. Loving God and loving each other, that's the essence of the gospel, isn't it? To love God with everything that we have. Our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, everything. And to love our neighbor as ourselves. To love each other as ourselves. We're going to kind of look at that this morning. Uh, If you will, turn into 1 John chapter 3. Uh, but we talk about loving God and loving each other, the question comes up, what is love? You see, I could probably ask everybody in here what love is, and probably everybody would give a little bit of a different answer. So how do we know what love is, and how do we demonstrate it? Again, people have different ideas, different concepts of love. Uh, For some, it's based on obedience and recognition. For some, it's it's uh, based on acceptance or, or being admired. For others, it's romance or a deep affection. For others, it's being cared for. Uh, maybe your definition falls somewhere in there too, but again, we all probably have a little bit of a different idea of what it means to, to love and to be loved. <clears throat> I ran across this, this love letter on the internet this week, and let me share it with you. It says, Dear Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I've felt since breaking off our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. So please, please forgive me. I love you. I love you so much more than you know. Yours forever, Maria. P.S. Congratulations on winning the lottery. Well, I don't think that was real love, was it? I don't think that was. And so as we're coming to the end of our, of our series 316, uh, uh, again, we're in 1 John today, 1 John chapter 3. Um, next week will be Revelation. That'll be our last, uh, our last uh, week in that series. And it's been a mighty long one, but it's been a mighty good one. Amen. And, and praise God for that. But, but in this chapter here, in, in 1 John chapter 3, and throughout John's writings, we see that, that John describes the greatest love story ever told, the greatest love story that's ever been played out. And it's about the, the story of, of God committing Himself to a fallen people, to us, okay? For committing Himself to a sinful people like us, His fallen creation. And think of the, the great disappointment that He must have in, in us. I mean, He made us perfect in every way, and yet we went and messed it up. How many of you have ever been working on a project before, and it's going real good, and, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, you put the screw in the wrong place, or you snap it together and can't get it out, or you punch the wrong key, or, or whatever it might be, and everything just goes crazy, and it's, it's messed up. Back to the drawing board. How do you fix it? What do you do? And, and so you have to think about that when, when you think about God and loving His creation. Not that He messed us up, but that we messed ourselves up. And because of that, He has a story. He had a plan in place for giving His Son for our redemption. And so John wants us to know that, that the true love, true love is demonstrated through Our unconditional love for others. 
our redemption, our, our, our true love that we have in our heart, the, the fact that we have a changed heart is demonstrated by the way that we treat other people, the way that we care for, the way that we love and show love to other people. We see throughout the New Testament, there's a couple of verses, but it says, uh, of course, in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, He loved us so much that He gave His one and only Son that, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. God is the essence of love. God is the essence of, of goodness. And, and God demonstrates His love for us in that He gave His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. And then Christ, in turn, demonstrated His love for us by being obedient unto death and saying, I will go to the cross. I will sacrifice my body and my blood and my life for the creation. And Matthew chapter 20 verse 28 reminds us that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. And so in those two passages we see where Jesus came and gave His life for us. Because what? Because He loved us. And so we, then we move on to down, down to 1 John chapter 3. Uh, verse 16, and it tells us how we should love one another. Well, if we're Christians and we're followers of Christ, then what do we do? We follow Christ's example. We do what Christ does. And it says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up His life for us. And so here's the kicker. He says, we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. We ought to give up our lives for brothers and sisters in the faith. Now let's look at that in the context of the, the love story in, in 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 20. And, and we see in verses 11 through 15, there's a conflict there that, that he lays out beforehand. Uh, the conflict of, of love is ultimately a conflict with God. And we'll see that in in verse 11, it says, This is the message we have heard from the beginning. This is the message we've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why, why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil. And his brother had been doing what? What was righteous. And so don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. He continues on in verse 14. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers do not have eternal life within, within them. That's a pretty strong passage there. We are commanded to love each other. And if we don't have that love for each other, we have hatred in our heart. The message from the beginning in verse 11, what's it talking about? 
It says the message we've heard from the beginning. From the beginning of what? From the beginning of the incarnation of Christ. And the message that we heard is that we should love one another. And so John's picking up on that. That, that, that we've heard this, this has been Christ's teachings from the beginning, that we should love one another. And he explains that hatred has been around from the beginning of time, going all the way back to Cain and Abel. And Cain's hatred for Abel is really a conflict of God with God because if God had not had guidelines in place of what's right and wrong, then Cain wouldn't have killed him. He wouldn't have known that it was wrong or, or, or there wouldn't have been any jealousy there. You see, Abel had had made an acceptable offering to the Lord. He had gone out and and gathered the first fruits and brought it to the Lord. And that's exactly what God had told him to do. Whatever you make, bring me the first portion of it and trust me with the rest of it. And that's what Abel had done. But Cain, on the other hand, he brought God an offering of leftovers. Mo cooked a big Sunday lunch last, last week. Roast beef and rice and vegetables. Man, it was good. But we thought some more kids were coming over, so we had a lot left. So we ate leftovers several days this week, okay? But the leftovers are never quite as good, in most, all, most cases, as the original serving, is it? When it's piping hot off the stove. It's just not the same microwave two days later, is it? And so we, we see here where, where Abel had brought the first fruits, the, the, the offering that God wanted, but Cain brought the leftovers, what he had left that he didn't want, that he wasn't using. And so even though Cain didn't follow God's request, he was jealous of Abel because... God was pleased with him. God was pleased with Abel and so Cain became jealous. And that jealousy developed into rage and that rage developed into murder. You see, Cain ultimately resented Abel's righteousness and the Word tells us that that ultimately, folks, the world will hate our righteousness too. Our goodness in God will be hated by the world. And so that story in itself raises two questions. And number one is, are we giving to the Lord? Are we Cain givers or able givers? If we are. Are we being obedient? Are we being good stewards? Are we, are we generous with our resources? And is God pleased with our motivations? Is God pleased with the motivation of our generosity? Are we just throwing a token in the plate to give to God to say, hey, I gave him something this week. So are we giving him leftovers or are we giving from the first fruits? And then the second question is, is there love in our hearts? In verse 14 it says, it tells us that we can have a, a true test to see and determine if we're filled with the love of God. If we've actually passed from spiritual death to life. And he says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, if, if, 
If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. If we have the love for each other, it proves. Scripture's clear. It teaches us that that what separates Christians from from non-Christians is the presence of love. The love of God, the love for, for each other. And it was Christ's love for us that drove Him to the cross. That kept Him on the cross. And so we can, we can determine if we're truly moved from, from spiritual life, uh, spiritual death to life, by how we love each other, how we love on the church family. There's no love for other believers. Our hearts are still dead. Is there hatred in your heart towards other believers? Is there jealousy in our hearts towards other church members? Are we holding grudges against someone? Are we are we wishing ill toward some other members? If so, it says we have failed. If you have that presence in your heart right now, I pray that you will make it right. That you will seek forgiveness from that person and from God to make it right. That passage, it it, it talks about what love is and then it, it, it talks about the cause and effect of love. And it continues by giving us an example of how we must love other people. How we must love other believers. In verse 16 it says, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up His life for us. So we also, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Are we at a place to do that? Since Christ gave up His life, we ought to give ourselves to other believers. Jesus' death was voluntary. He went to the cross and gave up His life, gave up His spirit at the exact moment that He wanted to. He said, now it is finished. His, 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 his death was vicarious in, in, in saying that His death was on behalf of us and everybody else that would choose Him. And His death was victorious in that He died once for all sins, for my sin, your sin, everybody that would choose Him, who would receive the gift of grace, that they could spend eternity in heaven. Let me ask you this morning, have you chosen Him as your Lord and Savior? Is the Holy Spirit living within you? Is the love of God living within you? Are we loving God? Are we loving others? You see, Jesus, He didn't just say that He loved us, but He demonstrated that He loved us. And He shows us in His demonstration that that real love involves sacrifice. And so we asked the question this morning, is our is our heart moving in the direction of sacrifice towards other people, towards other 
believers. John is saying that, that if we have an opportunity to show love to someone, we will show love to them if the love of God is in us. If we see a need and we respond, it says that the love of God is there. He's also making clear that that our salvation doesn't come because of our love, but the true salvation is made evident. We demonstrate our true salvation by loving each other and loving others. I mean, think about it. If we can't love each other, how can we love a lost and dying world? How can we love others if we can't love ourselves? And then this passage, it begins with, with the conflict of love and it continues with the cause and effect of love. And then it moves to the conduct of love. Verse 17 and 18. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? If you see a need and walk past it, how can God's love be in you? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, but show the truth by our actions. And so when we see those needs, it says that we're called to fulfill them. And so so John's telling us, don't just agree, just don't say, yeah, there's a need there, but actually do something about it. Let your conduct show. Let others see Jesus in you as you live out your life. You see, love is meeting the needs of those through our sacrifice. It's, It's not about giving the drug addict money for another fix. It's about finding him a way to remove his addiction. It's not about uh, giving our child answers to the homework, but it's about helping that child learn how to find the answer. It's seeing a need in a church member and taking care of that need in some way. It's It's seeing a need in your spouse and meeting that need. And so it's calling us to to put ourselves into practice, put ourselves into into motion, and not only be hearers of the Word, (coughs) but to be doers of the Word as well. And then it concludes that if we have the love of God, we can stand in confidence in the presence of God on the day of judgment. That we know that we have received the love of Jesus Christ in our hearts, that He is our Lord, He is our Savior, that Jesus' blood washed away our sins, and we can stand in confidence before God. Amen? And praise God for that. It says in in verse 19, it says, Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. Our actions will show that we belong to the Lord Jesus. Because the love of God is in us and we're living that out every day. It says, so we will be confident when we stand before God. We'll be confident to know that we have the love of Jesus in us, that the blood of Jesus washed away our sins and we can stand knowing that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Amen, Amen. And we can look with anticipation of that day when He says, Welcome home, thy good and faithful servant. Let me ask you this morning, are, are you excited about the day that you'll meet Jesus? About the day you'll face, see Jesus face to face? Just a little 
plug here for the Heaven is Real uh, movie based on the, on the book study that we did a couple of weeks ago. Next Wednesday night, okay, we're going to go see that movie at Shelby Theater, at the Shelby Theater, okay? It's in your bulletin. But it talks about seeing Christ face to face and loving God, being in His presence. And, and, and 1 John here, John is saying that, that when we have the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts, we can stand confidently before the Lord. Amen. Even if we feel guilty, it says, even if we feel like we've not lived up, if we have Christ in our heart, it says in verse 20, even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings. Praise God for that. Amen. But God is greater than our feelings, and He knows everything. He knows the, the, the condition of our heart. He knows the motivation of our hearts. He knows why we are doing the things that we do. We see in this, in this letter of 1 John of 105 verses, 23 times, or in 23 verses, John tells us to love the brethren, to love your brothers and sisters 23 times. 25% of the entire publication there is about loving our brothers and sisters. I mean, think about it. It's, it's practically impossible to, to love others when we hold a bitterness against them. Isn't it? It's impossible to love them if we're backbiting and, and gossiping about them, isn't it? It's impossible to walk away, uh, to love them when we walk away from a dispute with them. It's impossible to love them when we ignore their needs. It's impossible to love them if we belittle them and, and argue against them. Let me ask you this again. Are, are you struggling with, with any of these in, in any way? See, God wants us to make it right. And only when we make it right can we love that person. Only then can we move to that next step in our relationship with that person. One characteristic of, of Satan's child is an indifference towards the needs of other people. When we're okay to walk by that person and say, they'll get over it. They'll find a way. You see, folks, the world, the world lives to, to take from us, to take everything it can, and, and oh, how it wants to take the love of God away from us. Amen. So the world lives, it's a consuming place. It wants to take things from us, but Jesus lived to give. Amen. Cain took Abel's life, but God gave His Son, and His Son, Jesus, gave His life on the cross for us. He gave His life so that we could experience abundant and, and eternal life, and in return, He wants us to give life, our life, back to Him in service. He wants us to give our life to other people, showing love to them. What's love got to do with it? 
two things. John chapter 13 verse 35 tells us that Jesus said that, that everyone will know that you're my disciples. The world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If we as a church body loves one another. If we as a church as a whole love each other. Do we go around talking bad about this church or that church? Do we go around talking bad and downgrading people in this church and that church? Amen. You see, God's calling us to, to love and to build and to, to encourage each other, build each other up. It says, everyone will know that you are my disciples if we love one another. And so based on that statement right there, based on that verse right there, would you consider yourself a disciple? You see, we know we've passed from, from death to life when we show our love for each other. If we don't love, we still remain dead in our spirit. You see, how we treat each other is, is a direct reflection of our relationship with Christ. Loving God and loving others. Have we passed from death to life? You see, when we, when we have the love of God in our hearts, it, we, we show it Amen. to other people. And the second thing, what does love have to do with it? If we love, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we've passed from death to life. So let me ask you this morning, have you passed from spiritual death to life? I'll close with this story. <clears throat> A man came into church just as church was letting out and uh, he came upon someone and says, Oh my, is the sermon done? And the worshiper said, no, the sermon is to be done. Go and love each other. I want to encourage us not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. To prepare our hearts for, uh, to, to love our neighbor to, to love the person beside you and ready our hearts to give our life for them. So now go and let the world see the love of Jesus in your heart today and this week. The only way we can have the love that we're talking about today is if you know the one true source of love, Jesus Christ. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you'll never know the kind of love that we're talking about this morning. The kind of peace, the kind of security and comfort to know that when we do pass from this life to the next, that we'll be welcomed into the glories of heaven. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Oh, how He loves you and me. Folks, Jesus loves you so much. God loves you so much that He gave His Son Jesus to die on the cross. As we come into the Easter season, what a, what a 
grand time that would be for you to accept Christ. For you to recommit yourself, to give yourself over again to the love of Jesus Christ. For it was the Lord Jesus Christ that gave His life on the cross, that shed His blood for our sins, for our sinfulness, so that we could have everlasting life. God raised Him from the dead so that we too could have the hope of a resurrected life. My friend, if you've never done it, today is the day of your salvation. I pray that you'll come today and accept Jesus. Maybe today God's calling you to, uh, maybe there are some, uh, some things we talked about this morning that you're dealing with. Maybe this morning it's time just to spend time on your knees in your pew or up at the altar or in prayer, making it right with God. Where are you today? How has the Lord spoken to you today? You see, God wants to hear from you in response. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we come to you today thanking you that you love us so much. That even being the sinful, wicked people that we are, that we mess things up in this world, you still love us. (laughs) You still made a way for us because you still want us to spend eternity with you. Father, today we we place aside the pride and arrogance that's keeping us from a oneness with you, a oneness with others. It's keeping us from loving each other and from loving you the way you've commanded us to love. God, you you look into our hearts right now. You see the condition of our hearts. You know the motivations of our hearts, the cries of our hearts. So, Father, right now, hear them, receive them, and answer them. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.